You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. I'm Shul. And I'm Beatrix Graveguard. We'll be casting witchy vibes and sonic spells until 6 p.m. So gather around, light a candle, and levitate with us. You just heard Tanuki-chan with Like the Sun. Before that was Shikosue with Eyes on You. And starting off our show today was Suizen with Perfect Place. We are freshly back <laughs> from Los Angeles. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, a little bit more about the events that we did. Um, maybe in our next talk break. Yeah, I literally just arrived. Yeah, just, just rolled in. Over-caffeinated and underfed and frazzled. So apologies if I make very little sense today. Yeah, and we just had a moon phase change to uh, the moon moved from Aquarius to Pisces, probably as you were like rolling, oh, rolling into town. So yeah, uh, yeah, waxing gibbous in Pisces right now. Watery times. Um, we're going to read a moon scope from the uh, astrological grimoire. By now, maybe you know what the astrological <laughs> room war is. If not, it's our book. It's purple and it's shiny and you can find it wherever books are sold or most places where books are sold and some witchy places where witch books are sold. Uh, but this is the moon scope for waxing gibbous in Pisces. You'll feel the world shifting in waves around you during this time as if you're floating at sea or standing on a moving train. It can be hard to get your bearings when you've got places to go, but try to let this uncertainty guide your reactions. Lean into the swells and relax into the wobbliness. Let yourself be surprised at what emerges. Something in you is going to begin to spark and glow. Your veins are going to start coursing with a wild and familiar energy. The power you're going to be going to begin to the power you're going to begin to realize you have over your own life might startle you and scare you. Just try to believe in your own weirdness, even when your own wobbly thoughts are still taking shape. Try not to doubt your own weirdness. So one of the events we did uh, down in LA, which we'll talk a, a little bit more uh, later in the show, but um, the first event at Skylight was with Yumi Sakugawa, who's a very powerful witch. And I've just been thinking about her kind of like icebreaker spell oh that yeah she had us do at the we diner we, we met at this like cool little diner beforehand like charged up you know as witches do <laughs> <laughs> and um did a spell over some chicken tenders yeah and it was uh i i've been thinking about this a lot i really like this as as kind of a a way to both break the ice if you're kind of in a new group of witches and to kind of like check in personally or like with a friend and it's uh, each person says three things. One is something they brag about. Uh, two, something they're grateful for. And three, something they desire. And then the entire group of witches uh, repeats in unison. And so it shall be or something better. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Reminds me of the uh, Octavia Butler, so be it to it which yeah. is always my little spell casting phrase whenever I 
do anything that's like a visualization. I always whisper, so be it, say do it. Yeah. It's a really nice kind of, um, I was just thinking about how like those three items kind of like hit different parts of yourself, like in terms of positivity and manifesting, you know? And if you're have, if you're going through kind of a wobbly Pisces moon kind of time, it's like nice to be like, hi, I'm a human. <laughs> <laughs> I can stomp my feet into the ground and say three positive yeah. affirmations and, you know, things will be okay because, you know, the first one, it's like something you've done or something you are you know happy to already possess yeah you feel proud about yeah and the second one is I guess also something you might already have and and you feel you know grateful for and then something a window to kind of like um usher something new in yeah Yeah. also it's Scorpio season we just had it's getting dark out earlier that's when it always starts to feel like a real shift into like winter for me right yeah the darkness um daylight savings recently yeah i think today was election day yes yeah i voted by mail like last month yeah but if you haven't voted please vote and uh, i'd be remiss if i didn't wish a happy birthday to at least one of two of my scorpio exes born on this day one does not get a happy birthday. He got he got me too. <laughs> Cover of the New York Times. But to the other one, to the OG, to the good one, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to one out of two Scorpios. <laughs> that seems like a, a normal Scorpio good evil ratio, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it. It's a little high, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Just JK. We love you all. <laughs> Except for the shady ones. Yeah, no shadiness allowed here. Uh, you can tweet at us at Witch Radio. You can also follow us on Instagram at Witch Radio. Uh, we're going to play another set, and then when we come back, we'll talk about LA. This is Christelle Beaufile with Moving On, Getting On. You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm. <coughs>
Si vous voulez trouver l'enfer, je peux vous montrer. 
Projection Radio Hour on BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. You just heard La Femme Pendu, La Femme Pendu, with a cover of Mother, <laughs> Maman. Mama, tell your children not to walk my way. God, I took like 11 years of French and I couldn't tell you how to say that in French. <laughs> Before that was Leah Du with uh, A Swim in the Love That You Give Me. Before that, Long Beard, Monarch. Starting off that set was Christelle Beaufalet with Moving On, Getting On. So yeah, L.A. Oh man, I feel like I lived 10 lifetimes in a week in L.A. Yeah, you were there for a while. I was there for like about exactly a week, but yeah. it felt like a really long time. Um, shout out to former guest Courtney Stevens. She was on the show years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, her first year maybe. She let me stay in her beautiful apartment up in the hills of Echo Park. Well, she is off in New York running a film festival. She has a magical house full of plants. Literally, there's like a giant TV, but it's covered with plants. So it's like literally plant TV. Anyways, it was wonderful. I totally fell in love with that neighborhood. Yeah, and we did a couple events there. Yeah. Kind of like in support of our book, but also kind of like... Um, I would say that like... It was, it was like part book promotional, but I feel like... It was, it was kind of like an evolutionary step forward, I think, first parts of it we we taught a workshop which i w- was telling you off air like i kind of wish we didn't write this book yet because <laughs> i feel like i have a better grasp of things now and i would um create a better book if I'd, i could start over i have point. a f- suspicion that's how most authors feel about their books like about two years after they write the book they're like damn it i wish i could have waited until now to write the book yeah and i'm not gonna i, I don't think i have any um <laughs> I, don't, I don't have it in me to 
do this again, I think. I don't know. I say that now, but I change my mind often. Um, I don't know if you agree that if you could if you could scrap it and, and start over, like second edition. I don't know. There's also maybe a part of me that just feels like done with that era of my life. I feel that way for sure. I don't know that I am interested in making a similar book. I'd like to do another book about intuition. That would be like somewhat mm. unconventional, but probably not through the lens of astrology. Yeah, but there's so many books about that. Yeah, but I, think, I still <laughs> think know? I'm a believer that like no matter how many things exist in any given category, like that d there shouldn't be a cap on it. Like, there's no, I don't. I don't think more. there should be a cap either. I don't think that's what I meant. But I think it's more just like I think my brain is always trying to walk yeah new paths sure you know and i don't think any thoughts are original i think we're all kind of like influenced mm -hmm. by a web of things and um we but we have our own perspectives on that and we come kind of come to that with like semi-original right uh perspectives but i guess like if i were to make another book I would want it to be such a far throw that you can connect the two. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, and yeah, I, I feel like intuition too is is an interesting thing, but I I don't know. I am. It's so vague too. You yeah. know, like thinking about that. I think there's so much you can say. Um, about that, and there's so much you can say about astrology, and you could probably like write you know a hundred more books on the topic i just don't know if i have it in me to walk these same no, streets i don't you know I what don't i mean think i do yeah but i really yeah i really loved doing events for the book i do feel like the both of the events and i think this sort of um progression of book events that we've done starting from the very first to now um, has really reshaped in me like what I think is valuable and important about this stuff and what I don't think is interesting about it, if that makes sense. No, like, I think yeah. it's like, I think it's changed for me, um, you know, starting from like even pinching the book and working on it, I think um, it's just been a really malleable um thread in my mind like and i've kind of like gone away from it and come back yeah. to it and i think that's been an interesting process of like there was a time when i wasn't paying attention to it at all yeah um, especially I, during and right after yeah and i think we learned how to talk about the book better yeah i, think I so. feel like when people would first ask me I would just panic. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what this book is about and I don't know how to describe it. And I would just get this like weird avoidant terror. And then now I feel mm. much more at ease articulating what it is and how to use it. And yeah. And an interesting thing. And I don't, I'm still not really sure about this is like when we talk about it now, are we talking about the book or are we talking about like how we use these things and how we've evolved 
I think, bo I think both. And I like, I don't know. I'm not certain about that for myself, yeah. you know, because I don't know if a lot of the things I say necessarily reflect in the book at all. <laughs> but it's nice to see uh, both the book and like the way it gets talked about at events like resonate with people. Like I mm. enjoy getting that feedback where people are like, oh, I never thought of it this way before, mm. which is like as a writer, one of the like best compliments anybody can give you. Like, oh, you articulated this thing or you made me see something in a new way. Well, that's what I mean yeah. is that I think that I say a lot at these events that is not necessarily in the contents of the book. And I think these are new developments from the past six months of us talking about it. Sure. You know what I mean? And but it's I think like, it's still okay, em well, embedded in the book. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Like, I, I guess you could take the leap of yeah. like, well, knowing that, yeah, I can approach it with this um, in mind. Yeah, yeah. So thanks to Skylight Books and Junior High for having us. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Yumi was so great oh. to be in conversation with Yumi Sakugawa. Um, Trying to get her on the show. Yeah, we got to get her on the show. She's in town. But yeah, there was just so much power in mm -hmm. like how that how that um event came about you know like me, or me, yeah oh sorry what oh, i was gonna say let me see if i have any good new yumi screenshots oh got it yeah i i feel like she she kind of like entered like like kind of um she did this opening meditation that kind of uh welcomed everyone into the space and it was so powerful it was like this you were she had the singing bowl and there was this like resonant kind of like sound vortex portal that she created and and there was like this very powerful um affirmative kind of welcoming bubble that yeah. she kind of created and uh and then we were all drenched in cosmic yolk <laughs> and it was mm, just delicious. like and i remember so right afterward, I was talking to a couple people about like, oh, during that meditation, was there something in mind that you like threw away? Because she uh, asked us all to like let something go, throw something away. And I think for me, because I was like about to be on stage, I was just like, just throw away any kind of like anxiety about having to talk. Yeah. Soon. But like, there's also kind of like, uh, I, I think when you weren't, from the perspective of someone who wasn't on stage at the moment and just thinking about like, oh, I just got to get through this. There were all these like interesting things that people wanted to throw away. <laughs> yeah. Know? And there was a, one very relaxed dog. Yeah. We also got to partake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I loved LA, man. I really uh, I haven't had that experience since I went to Tokyo of like being like, oh, I'm not ready to go home yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was ready. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I was like, I'm, you know. But I'm in a really uh, deep, deep spiritual, mental, emotional inquiry state right now yeah. of uh, laying some foundations, and home is one of those foundations for me right now. And so I'm in investigating if San Francisco is not going to be my home, could it be LA? Mm. And I think the answer might be yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. TBD. Yeah. Yeah, home is a really interesting concept. 
Yeah, I just, man, I don't know what it is about this fall, but I've just so shifted into like, I feel like a lot of. Well, you've had a lot of big changes, I think. I had some foundational and ruptures. Yeah, for sure. And as a Taurus, you have, <laughs> you have the impulse to immediately patch that foundation. Yeah, and I've, and I'm, I will be honest in that I've refrained from like rushing in to rebuild which is a new space i've just been kind of trying to be okay with liminal transitional spaces like i yeah. you know i don't want to like because i i want whatever comes next in like multiple arenas of my life to feel like they're they're built to endure yeah I think there's like a reboot, right? I'm going through that a major you're, reboot. You're right looking now. for a reboot, but you want that one to last yeah. longer. Well, than, formerly, yeah. Than the current one. Well, formerly, like I get super itchy to like, I want all the answers. I want to know for certain. Uh, I want to know what happens next. And I'm, I'm just sort of like floating in the free fall right now, mm -hmm. but like looking around at the landscapes and, and, yeah, it's like, it's scary, but it's good. And I, I, yeah. but it's making me have to pay attention to my intuition quite closely. Yeah. And so my, it was interesting because the minute I drove into LA, I let out this like big breath that I didn't realize I was holding. And I was like, oh, and I'm also a big fan right now. I'm trying to pay attention to what my body is telling me about things. Because yeah. a lot of times when I, I feel very disembodied, where I'm like, I'm just a weird, big, walking brain. I feel that full way of thoughts. A lot. And I'm, so I'm trying to get better at like, well, what is Embodiment. my... Embodiment. Well, just like, what is my body saying about this? Is it making me feel anxious? Is it making me feel good? Yeah, it's just like Embodiment. A, yeah, yeah, it's just it's like a like, gut check. Yeah. And so yeah. my body felt really good when I got to LA. Um, yeah. I think that like, there's there's like an atmospheric difference in that city yeah that definitely made me feel disembodied um <laughs> i could see that i don't think it's a place i could have lived even five years ago but i'm in a phase where a lot of, like most of the things in my life right now feel like a too tight sweater mm. so i feel very spiritually and emotionally and mentally itchy yeah and i but I'm trying not to make sudden rash decisions. I'm trying to make deliberate decisions. But it's an interesting, like, uh, friction to observe. Yeah. I felt that way a lot um, at the beginning of the summer. Mm. I was like, well, time to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was very fortunate to have an entire summer of, like, very frequent travels for work. Yeah, and for art, and I think it this trip definitely like this is um, the tail end of a long uh, series of work related trips. And this trip, I was just like, wow, I think that itch has been scratched, <laughs> and that was like a really nice feeling. Yeah, I was like, ah, <laughs> it's done, it's you know, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go home. Yeah, and that's a good um, sink into the grass. I kind of, it's weird I, again. I haven't had the sensation of like oh I'm ready to go home and it, when you said that I realized I haven't had that feeling in a really long time which is yeah. weird for me as like a total homebody yeah well but it shifts 
Yeah. It does, yeah. I'm like, well, this is where I'm at. Also, shout out to the LA Goths. Man, I went to like a goth show on Sunday to see Bauhaus, who we're going to play later in the show. They're like a big 80s goth band, and they've reunited for only for like two shows. So the Hollywood Palladium, and you've never seen so many aging goths in one place. Like, it was incredible. Yeah. LA like really knows how to goth it up. <laughs> Should we do some snackoscopes? Yeah. Scorpio. This is a good week to pay attention to what the people around you aren't saying, to the weird dangling pauses at the ends of sentences and the missing words in sentences. Don't jump to conclusions, but see if you can tap into your ability to be an emotional weather vane in order to uh, extend understanding, stillness, and space. Listen to Anita Baker and eat a hot dog. Sagittarius, think about... uh, Times when patience has served you, holding your tongue or letting things unfold without forcing their hand. It's a good time to practice this muscle memory of waiting for a beat and doing the opposite of what your immediate reaction might be. Practice slowness, even if it makes you feel dizzy and mad. Listen to Vangelis and eat pistachios. Capricorn, this is a time for thinking of the future rather than a reckoning with the past, which can be hard for you. Let go of little grudge gremlins you might still be nursing, a little juicy with bitterness. What would a blank slate of forgiveness feel like? Who are you when you aren't obsessing about things that can't be changed? Eat Skittles and listen to Black Sabbath. You can tweet at us at Witch Radio. We're also on Instagram at Witch Radio. Here's some more music for you. This is Screaming Females with Ancient Civilization. We're also uh, going through BFF.fm's annual fundraiser. And if you go to BFF.fm, you can contribute to keeping us on the air, you can specifically uh, contribute in honor of Astral Projection Radio Hour. And if you do so, we'll send out some good vibes to you over the airwaves. Um, you are listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm.
Listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, best frequencies forever. We just heard Bauhaus with Kick in the Eye. Before that was Pylon with Danger. Before that was Essential Logic with Aerosol Burns. And starting off that set with Screaming Females with Ancient Civilization. Um, so we weren't here last week. Uh, our, our usual Halloween episode off doing witch business uh, so we're going to talk about haunted houses yes love haunted house also I love that this um, article we're going to talk about refers to Hollywood uh, so you know there's some overlap there have you ever and the Winchester Mystery House which is local yeah have you been there yes did you get haunted vibes from it um, I don't know I, I, I don't think so I um so this is a conversation for another time, but there's another interpretation of the Winchester Mystery House that I like better, Ooh. which is that um, Sarah Winchester was an amateur architect who was studying 
um, a lot of like architectural details by building and constructing in her own home so that you know it was it was kind of like practice for her in a time that very few women got educations much less uh, became architects so because she was um, you know heir to a fortune uh, through the guns uh, she kind of took it upon herself to uh, give herself that education and I uh -oh. like that explanation I like that too. a lot better than the I mean I, I think a lot of the versions of her story mm -hmm. that um, have to do with her kind of like uh, you know creating a house in order to keep the spirits away from the victims of the gun company that her husband right. ran um, I think a lot of the details of that tend to be um, like belittling of, of her as a mm. person um, and there's a lot of evidence that a lot of what they say about like the number 13 happening a lot or mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. what they might have used certain rooms for like for seances um, are kind of like made up after the fact uh, even some of the 13 patterns seem to be like they've added and they've added features so that it would add up to 13 and um, a lot of the rooms like just wouldn't be a typical room for seances that they that they say is for seances so anyway i'm i have um other uh, i have I, I have other speculations yeah. for for that home however it does kind of like give you a a feeling of um being unmoored i guess because it's not a very normal looking home that and it's very key. vast and it's kind of maze-like and so it i don't I don't blame people who yeah. think it that there's like a, a hauntedness to it because it kind of like throws off your perceptions in a lot of ways. Have you ever been in any kind of a house that made you feel some kind of dread? Like dread. from the architect? Like, or just like creeped out? I think I've definitely been in spaces where I feel dread. And um, I don't know that I could put together the exact yeah. qualities but I think that um, I'm a fairly claustrophobic person okay. so small spaces of certain kinds tend to give me a little bit of dread and they're not they're not always spaces that like look creepy sure but there are spaces that I feel uneasy yeah. in yeah well this was interesting to read because it made me think of the house that I lived in in New Orleans which was reputed to be very very haunted um, I definitely had some weird experiences, but in thinking of like the architecture of dread, that house was like a prime candidate. Like they would have used it as a prototype for like a haunted house attraction because it had like incredibly high ceilings that everything just seemed like full of dark corners. It was decaying. So things were always creaking and shifting the entire back portion of this house. Um, was original slave quarters and was open to a courtyard and it was all abandoned and full of broken windows. So you would go out there at night to like let the dog out into the courtyard and I would just close my eyes and not try to not look in the direction of the like incredibly pitch black broken window. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was a very like it filled me with so much dread like and mm -hmm. but if you think about the architecture of it it was like and we get into this article like it it probably just primed all my evolutionary, like, I don't know what's lurking behind 
that broken glass or there's so many places for predators to hide here and so this article yeah. is interesting because it gets into like the psychology of why we're like creeped out by certain things and how it's yeah. such an evolutionary so there's this tactic. thing called agent detection mechanism which they point out in this piece which is this idea that like you know we are primed as human our, our human brains have evolved to like if you hear a rustle or you like see it like a shadow dart across a corner you tend to um create a kind of agent for that movement and the idea being that like it's better to be prepared for a threat that may not be than to not be prepared for a possible threat and it's interesting because this um, particular mechanism is also something that I've heard be linked to um, the history of religion and spirituality which is you know it's a very easy it's very easy to see the connection of like seeing something lurking in the shadows to saying the there's an animism to nature there is the trees have spirits there are spirits lurking in the shadows right and um that the mechanism of like identifying a cause to a thing like a noise or a movement is um, the kind of thing that we evolved in our brains to keep us alive, but then we also evolved like a love of narrative and yes. and a way to to retell stories in order to keep people around us safe. And it's easier to say these things as like these are characters in a narrative than to explain the facts of like whenever you hear a rustle watch out you know it's like easier to transmit a kind of s clean narrative about things being alive totally you know? yeah and i and it's a useful narrative it is and it, it also made, i got really excited as i got to the end of this article because the author proposes that like he's like okay so if we're creeped out by haunted houses why is there like a booming industry and paying money to go visit like fake haunted houses? Like, why do we want to like watch horror films? About oh, I know the houses? answer to this. It's because we can prepare for the thrill of these things before they are actually, you know, in in the realm of harming us. Yeah, like it's kind of, I mean, it's it's kind of like preparing your stimuli for the eventual dread of an actual axe murderer, right? And there is kind of. I think there is sort of like an adrenaline that we yeah. get. Um, there's a reward to like certain levels of fright that we can intellectualize as safe spaces. Yeah, well, and I used to, this is one of my favorite things I used to teach um, in like the philosophy of literature, but uh, the philosopher Aristotle, his definition of catharsis, he was like the reason why we like sad or scary shit even though it's like upsetting is because we get to emotionally and mentally rehearse mm -hmm. like these feelings but from a safe distance so yeah. when you go into a fake haunted house you have to practice some suspension of disbelief where you're like okay i know that's literally just like a person in a clown mask but in order for me to really enjoy this experience i have to believe it's like an axe wielding clown i feel like i go another step further too where when i 
watch something that I know will maybe upset me, I read yeah. the spoiler first. <laughs> and so I'm rehearsing yeah. the I, I'm rehearsing the fictional thing. Yeah. <laughs> like there's like one more level of like Yeah, I and I, I I found that like after my accident and I don't know if this is like a common thing with PTSD or just, you know, isolated to some incidents. There were a lot of fictional experiences that I had trouble distinguishing from oh, reality. Yeah. And so it was really helpful for me to read spoilers <laughs> because it was um, easy for me to lose a sense of things being fictional. Yeah, it's, yeah, he says, you know, in the safety of a movie theater, watching others deal with serial killers or paranormal threats allows us to mentally rehearse strategies that we might use. Side note, I was totally, I had a, really spooky mom if you're listening turn it off right now because she's gonna get freaked out by this story um when i was in la i was doing all these stairway hikes i have the secret stairway hikes book there and i did this one that's one of the steepest longest stairways in echo park and it sort of covers like the amount of ground you would get from the about halfway up bernal hill to the top if you're in san francisco and it was super overgrown there's nobody on this staircase it kind of winds around you really can't see it from like the street down below and then there's a street at the top with houses on it that leads into this park and i was doing this loop and i this man walked past me on one side and i he looked me in the eye. he totally had bob from twin Peaks serial killer eyes mm -hmm. and i was like all right noted mm -hmm. and then as I was walking up the stairs, and this is probably about eight flights of stairs, I noticed he's walking down from the top. We'd already passed each other once on the street. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, noted. And I was about halfway up the stairs, and all of a sudden I realized he's turned back around and he is now walking up behind me, about two flights below me. And I was like, all right, self, you've been climbing stairs all week. You are prepared for this moment. <laughs> like book it to the top of these stairs because I was like, if this guy grabs me, no one's going to see it mm -hmm. because it's so like densely covered. I was like, but if I can make it to the top and I was also, but it was interesting because I thought about, I like in that moment, I thought about like movies and I'm like, don't run because when you run, you trigger some kind of weird predator instinct. Yeah. And so I, but I was like, but just keep walking fast yeah. up these flights of stairs. And then my tactic at the top, I was like, and then I'm, I was like, then I'm in front of a house with cars in it and I'm actually going to stop and let him walk past me. Because yeah. I think he was expecting to keep following me. And he got really discombobulated when he got to the top of the stairs. And I was just standing there looking at my book. And he had to keep going because there was like people down below on the other side in the park. But it was this moment where I was like, thought of everything I had learned from like serial killer movies. And was mm -hmm. like, all right, what's my tactic? Because it was creepy as shit. I'm curious too um, about the quality of creepiness in this guy no in general no like i'm general i i'm generally asking about like because there have been studies done and it's it's a really yeah. hard thing to quantify psychologically like what what makes something creepy well it's interesting because they get into this article that they did this study and they found that both men and women find men more creepy <laughs> yeah what do you think makes something creepy for you personally and a person yeah, just for you, um, I, not not necessarily a person, just yeah. like a creepy experience, a creepy thing, like a creepy, um, because I, I often think about this sort of like, I mean, Uncanny Valley comes up as as kind of a creepy experience, right? And yeah. then there's some something, there's like something that, some things that kind of 
land in this realm when it's like maybe a like source of anxiety or threat, yeah. but you're not sure what. But I'm I'm curious, like for you, like how how do you quantify to yourself a creepy experience or a creepy person or a creepy thing? I mean, I'll say I'm like a pretty trusting and chill person so i don't actually get creeped out that often by places or people and i think all i can say like in this specific encounter and i and i i don't know if men encounter this as much as women but as a woman you often have to make a lot of very quick mental calculations when you're alone and you're passing a man like do i smile do i say hi if they smile at me do i smile back you know like where you're like, what's my, what's the gamble I'm taking here, you know? Um, and so, like, what read to me is creepy about this situation was that the way this guy looked at me, he had, like, dead eyes. He had dead, intense eyes. I don't have ever seen people with, like, dead. It's like there's no life in them. And I sort of reflexively just, like, half, like, nodded at him, and he just stared at me. And that got my hackles up, where I was like, okay... This is not a friendly person. I just did like a human friendly half nod. And sometimes as a woman, you do that, you're going to get a like, hey, baby, you know, like you just never know. But I'm like, I would just rather err on the side sometimes of like, well, I'm just going to be friendly, especially if I'm alone. So this person doesn't see me as a threat. And so that I think that there's so there's like for me, I think maybe there's a level of threat involved. Like, do I feel threatened? Yeah, there's a in this piece. Uh, in the same study about like a hypothetical creepy person, they mentioned this idea of like um, uncomfortable ambiguity or yeah. of um, or of like perceived sexual threat or ambiguity of threat, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess all of that that's uh, a very it's a very kind of subjective, but also like culturally enforced um, set of characteristics, I'm imagining. Um, but one of the other things I asked about people was uh, list, like rate the creepiness yeah. of occupations and then uh, rate the uh, the creepiness of hobbies. And <laughs> that, and, and you asked me like, what's a creepy hobby? Um, and I was like, oh, I guess there's like some things that kind of like fall into this realm, like someone who collects dolls. When it gets into like, why are dolls creepy and clowns? It's because they're yeah, sort of like Valley. Yeah, yeah. We so yeah, humans. We don't like things that like are where our brain goes like, wait, is that a real thing or is that not a real thing? Because then all of a sudden you have to assess a threat. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely bolstered by the cultural properties that yeah. use dolls and clowns as like threatening figures right because yeah. i think i went pretty far in my life without thinking very much about the creepiness of certain things that were then transformed into creepy by popular culture yeah yeah um yeah creepiness tweet at us if you can quantify creepiness for yeah. yourself i yeah i'm I think creepiness is a is I really like thinking about like what qualities make something creepy because I did a similar study for a research project a few years ago about the idea of cuteness and with cuteness you can um, kind of draw cultural uh, boundaries around like certain mm. characteristics 
uh, things that people find cute throughout time shifts um, or there's like things that I think are kind of like mass produced now and and are considered cute are things that I consider incredibly creepy and then like the Japanese also have these really specific categories of cute that also overlap with creepiness or overlap with some other kind of quality like um, ugly cute or sad cute or um, like even I, I like a cuteness that um, is like mm. pitiful right I don't know there's like and there's like different you can definitely um, kind of quantify characteristics in different parts of the yeah. world for like what is considered cute and I wonder about that for creepy as well like what are what are the qualities yeah. of like a creepy set of features for a face for instance oh, like that makes me and sad. Just well, I mean, you, having a creepy face. But you found this person creepy. I know. That you just saw now I feel stairs. bad for him. Maybe he was actually really nice, but just couldn't make a nice face. See, this is what gets me into trouble. This is why I'm going to get murdered someday. <laughs> well, I mean, I. But it's it's also interesting where those like limits can be drawn yeah. because at some point you're just like, okay, well, as yeah. a culture, if we think of certain characteristics as creepy, like at what point does that kind yeah. of cross the boundaries into like racism or sure. you know some kind of like other yeah. bias, right? Yeah. And yeah, if you just like you're born with a creepy face and dead eyes, Ugh. like you might just be a regular guy trying to go trying to walk some stairs. <laughs> oh man, though, you remember who had the cre- the creepiest dead shark eyes was that guy, the HBO killer. What was his name? Robert something. Robert Durst. Robert Durst. Oh my gosh! See that adds to my theory that people with dead shark eyes are. I don't creeps. remember what he looks like. Look at look at Google those eyes. It's like terrifying. It reminds me of like sharks that swim around just looking for something to eat. Ah, I see it right now. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I feel like he's got creep eyes. Yeah, but if you saw this man and you didn't know what he did, that might be true. I think it would. I don't know. Be a I, I pick up on dead eyes really easily. But I can tell that something's like off mm. when a person, like there's like a light that's not there, mm. a light that's turned off. Like Robert Durst. Interesting. Oh, that documentary. If you're a psychopath, I guess, smiles a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) Or work on some smizing in the mirror. (laughs) But at least I got a good workout in. Running up those stairs. Yeah. It's terrifying. Okay, I'm going to do some more snackoscopes. Aquarius, if you were a color, you'd probably be holographic, which isn't even a color, but a reflection. Ever shifting according to its environment. You know how to live outside of boundaries and definitions, but sometimes this contrarian tendency can make you shun connection. Pick a color to focus on this week. Seek it out everywhere you go. Or listen to our episode with Sarah Potter. Listen to Iggy Pop and eat Skittles. Pisces, now is a good time. Well, I have a lot of Skittles in this. Which is good. It's Halloween leftover time. Mm-hmm. Pisces, now is a good time to watch the ocean, all stormy and moody. Think about how many things affect the waves, the weather, the sky, the moon, what waves are crashing in your life right now, and what variables are driving them. Think of all the great big moods and feelings you have ridden out before and the tools they require. Eat soup and listen to magical clouds. Aries, this is a week for watching your words before you speak them. You may think you're just being clear, but remember the emotional weight that words can carry. You're not responsible for other people's feelings, but you are responsible for showing up in a way that honors other people's humanity and vulnerabilities. Eat a big plate of nachos and listen to Feist. 
And you can tweet at us at Witch Radio. We're also on Instagram at Witch Radio. Here's some more music. This is Frank Ocean with DHL. You're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm. Them shakes, uh, made up a dance. How come you shook? And I ain't took out my hands. Beans, star, bucks, star, struck. Bitch coming soon. That's cause you suck. That's coming soon. Yeah. 
You are listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. You just heard Nilfer Yanya with Heat Rises. Before that was Miguel with Funeral. And starting off that set was Frank Ocean with DHL. We've got more Haunted House news. I love it. Also, this is by Jeff Mana for The New Yorker. Um... He's one of my favorite writers. I know we've read stuff of his yeah, before. He I covers like his... weird architecture. Yeah, he's very beats. good. I think he did a whole one once on like the architecture of Ghostbusters. Mm, yeah. Which is actually a movie about architecture if you think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this covers, I guess it's called Witch Houses of the Hudson Valley, but it's kind of about, uh, it's kind of a, about something else. I, I think this is, I don't know what a good kind of like encompassing term is. It's kind of about things, uh, ritual practices that um, happen within architecture to kind of like provide a purpose to the house. Um, So it starts off considering these houses where, uh, you know, objects have been found in the walls, unsettling things, you might say. Like dead what? animals, dismembered dolls, children's shoes, broken knife blades, bottles with, filled with human hair, bent nails or pins. I would be so freaked out if I found that in my house. It just sounds like um, it reminds me of a, a book that I think you recommended to me earlier this summer. The Folded Clock yeah. by Hailey Julevitz. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has like a vacation house in Maine and mentions, you know, finding these objects around the house and just kind of chucking them into a hole in the wall because she like can't stand to look at them. <laughs> <laughs> and this idea that like, you know, all the and, and like animals, dead animals found within the walls of a home. Um, there are I recently learned that there are certain animals that um, only exist and thrive because of houses because of human houses yeah because out in the wild uh they are toast and but like within the protection of a home there's lots to eat there's a lot of nooks and crannies to hide in and uh these animals you know like small rodents and certain small birds like house finches they're just really not very capable yeah um they're like they're like the animal world's version of like tater tots you know like (laughs) everything eats them but within human architecture they can find places to yeah, be protected that makes sense apparently there's this was a really great tweet going around that was like a uh, person knocks down spider web uh in their home and the spider is like wow and then it's like halloween person puts up fake spider web in the yard yeah. and the spider's like wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know remember that that's a spider's home like leave mm-hmm. the spider webs intact thank you that's my psa for the day um <laughs> Yeah, so, but these are, some of these houses, it's not even just objects, but there would also be, like, symbols carved into woodwork. Yeah, ritual practices. Yeah. Um, things like runes or astrological diagrams. And you Do could, you know about cornerstones? No, what's a cornerstone? So, cornerstones are the first brick that is laid, or first stone that is laid in a structure. And there's... Um, there's speculation that the idea of a time capsule ca- came about because of cornerstones and that cornerstones might have been like one of the first 
versions of a time capsule. You'd lay the stone down and often there was a ritual practice associated with it. You'd kind of like carve something on it to commemorate something. So a lot of the time you see cornerstones on um, buildings today, they have like a date carved into it or it's dedicated to somebody, but often that brick will be hollowed out and there there would be some objects in it. Um, sigils or spells or, uh, you know, more mundane right. would be like um, some nails, uh, some maybe a scrap of something from the construction site to kind of just be like, okay, well, this is this is like a commemoration yeah. of, of the beginning of this building. Um, and I, I think humans like ritual because it's, it, you know, it, it commemorates a moment. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of rituals um, mentioned here that like seem, seem creepier, but to me they're like, oh, of course you like, you put up a home, you kind of want to like think of blessing it with being protective and, and being everything you want out of a shelter. Right. Yeah. You well, want to yeah. like keep the ghosts out. You want to like, Put in that, put in that, you know, amulet that'll that'll make that a safe space for for whoever's gonna live there or work there. I liked this term. Uh, it's a form of spatial magic, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciate. I also came across. Uh, I was telling you off air. I'm obsessed with like weird subcultures and their conferences. So there's this conference in Salisbury, England, called Hidden Charms, which is a biannual conference on the magical protection of buildings. And I was like, I need to immediately get myself invited i that. am going to create a a conference i was talking to someone about this recently like that there should be a conference for the society of people who want to confuse future architects <laughs> and a, just like a great society you know like you can do a or sorry not future architects future archaeologists through architecture <laughs> and cornerstones are a great way to kind of baffle people i think like a lot of cornerstones have just jokes in them you know and it's just like oh these people who were here to lay the the founding stones um that's just their little their little secret that they're they're adding to this building and no one will know and it'll be forever a secret until the building comes down and you find it and you're just like what the fuck and like imagining an archaeologist trying to put together things that are like meant as a non sequitur is really funny for me because we, we kind of like think that we can explain everything yeah. away, right? And, um, but we're also like our capacity for tricksterism is like so it's intense, so true. right? It also just occurred to me, bringing things full circle, I forgot that I, I once wrote a short story that takes place in the haunted mansion I lived in in New Orleans, in which um, it's told through like layers of time. And in it, this one woman gives birth to a, uh, she's actually like, uh, in her late teens, but she gives birth to a stillborn baby and she writes a note and she hides it in the wall above a mantle, um, which is based on a real hole above my mantle. And then centuries later, another girl who has an abortion finds the message written from the first girl in the wall. And it's like the exact same thing that she also wrote. Mm. So time is a strange loop and who knows what you'll find in your the holes in your wall. Also, speaking of animals, we had a pet roach that lived in our hole above the mantle. I remember. Yeah. George? George, yeah. yeah. Probably could not have survived outside alone. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, 
Yeah, I like that they also mentioned witch bottles, which uh, you can see some actual witch bottles in the collection at the Pit Rivers. If you're ever, if you ever happen to be in Oxford, England, oh, um, yeah. and it's like a bottle that's placed with like some sharp objects in it, and the idea is like um, you can trap a witch in in the bottle and like seal it up instead of having it loose. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that the the sharp objects will kind of like keep the witch in there. Yeah, tweet um, at us if you've ever found any weird shit in your house and the walls. Yeah. I think I definitely like have pushed things through holes in walls just because I wanted it out of my sight. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense that, you know, find it all of your broken toys are going to be in there because yeah. it's just like, ah, can't play with this anymore. I guess I'll put it in the hole. <laughs> all right, it's I'm going to do another set of snackoscopes. Uh, Taurus, now is the time to move slowly through your days, to think for a full day before reacting. Watch the clouds float at their own pace in the sky, taking time to drift across the horizon. Practice being a cloud right now, contained but full of the possibility to change shape. What might be a new way to bend in the light? Listen to Talk Talk and eat a juicy pear. Hold please, I have to cough for a second. (coughs) Gemini. Think of stillness like a muscle you need to learn how to use. You can be so adept at flitting from here to there and never giving your brain a chance to just be. Just think about it. Just thinking about it probably makes you itchy. Use this time when the earth around you is holding its breath for fall to practice the art of just being without doing. Listen to Harry Nielsen and eat grapes. Cancer, what would it feel like to practice patience towards others right now? Look outside and notice how the plants bloom on their own timeline. Some are still blooming, others are going underground. People are like that too, no matter if you think you know what's best. Uh, instead of advice, think about how you can support this growth. Eat an orange and listen to Yoko Ono. Should I do another set or should we come back and... Yeah, let's come back. Okay. Got some time. All right. This is uh, Elena Setien with Mary Lattimore. Uh, with Wreckage of the Hunt, you're listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm. Certainly related to this pretty dawn Moving through the hours of a day that's gone Words are getting bigger than they used to be And with his confusion just dropping the sea, dropping the sea, looking to the ocean. He hopes the ocean can be free. Looking to the ocean. He hopes the ocean can be free. Summer 
You are listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm, Best Frequencies Forever. You just heard PJ Harvey, Red Right Hand. Before that was Elena Setien and Mary Lattimore with Wreckage of the Hunt. And we have come to the end of our show, which means our last set of Snackoscopes. Leo, this is a time when thinking rather than feeling will serve you best. You might find your head and your heart in a battle, so allow the side that feels more calm and rational to take the lead. What compromise is there to be found? What facts can your heart accept right now that it might not want to hear? See if you can be gentle, listen to Gary Newman, and eat popcorn. Virgo, sometimes your feelings scare you, and like a little mole, you pop back into the safety of things that can be measured, contained, organized. But just like the giant sky, your feelings will always be out there waiting for you. Use this time to reach out a tentative paw and offer them a handshake. It's okay if it makes you feel wobbly. Eat Jello and listen to PJ Harvey. Libra, there can be a kind of beauty and coldness in the stillness of things waiting to thaw. It's a liminal place where you have yet to grow. How can you lean into this pause? Think about how you want to feel when you look in the mirror and how you, not just how you appear, but who you are to yourself. What still needs to grow? Listen to St. Vincent and eat ice cream. And you can follow us on Twitter at WitchRadio. We're also on Instagram at Witch Radio. And if you'd like to contribute to our um, our BFF.fm fundraiser, uh, just go to BFF.fm. Uh, it's all tax deductible. You can make a contribution to our show directly or to the station. Um, we're all kind of volunteer-run, co-op-run, so it really helps us keep the tunes on the air and you'd be supporting a really special nonprofit organization arts space that uh, is slowly dying away in this city so head over there and make your contribution if you can Um, up next is the hanging garden radio show and we will see you next week with a special guest bye We're leaving you with Julie Cruz, I Float Alone. You've been listening to Astral Projection Radio Hour on BFF.fm.